Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us today for this episode of Learning, Lifting, Leading, Social Equity for and by Black and Brown Girls and Women. My name is Jen Grimmett, and with us today is Phyllis Porte-Ascott, mother and student at Shaw University Divinity School, speaking on the topic of a mother's perspective on raising black and brown girls. So Phyllis, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for inviting me. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Could you share with our audience a little bit about um, what brings you to us to speak on this topic? Yes, sure. I'll be happy to do that. Um, As you said before, I am a student at Shaw Divinity School, and um, I'm a third-year student, and um, I attended my third um, women's conference where we talked about um, issues around uh, black and brown girls, and at the most recent conference, um, I was asked to be a part of this um, conversation. So Awesome. Well... um, I appreciate it. (laughs) Um, You know, to share a little bit about your experiences as a mother, particularly on raising girls of color, do you have more than one daughter? No, I have one daughter and one son. Okay. Yes. So maybe a little bit about, you know, some of the things of raising your young daughter. I will. Um, My daughter is in middle school now. And um, it has, it's been an interesting journey um, because my daughter is a dark-skinned um, black girl who has natural hair. Um, and it has been, it's been interesting in that um, what took me a little bit to pick up on, and I would have to say that just attending Shaw Divinity School gave me more of an awareness of stuff happening within our culture. And I, and I know that that's probably pretty strange to say, but I think I, I'm appreciative that we've had the conversations about different things happening um, with black and brown girls. And so that caused me to think more about um, what's going on in my own family. What I noticed with my daughter, um, she went through a period where she did not like being, she did not like who she was. Mm-hmm. She didn't like being dark skin. Um, and I noticed that I didn't notice it until, um, when she, I noticed when she was playing with her dolls, she had some black dolls. She had a lot of white dolls. We, we bought her primarily black dolls, but mm-hmm. other family members gave her dolls. Um, they would give her white dolls and some black dolls. I noticed that she wouldn't ever I didn't notice it actually until my son pointed it out. And he asked her, why are you not playing with the black dolls? Um, Mm. And I noticed when we went to the store to buy dolls, she was with us. She would always pick the white dolls. So when when we started having conversations about it, she would blow it off. No, 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 I do play with them. Um, But then I started to notice when we would, when I would cook, if I happened to make something a little bit too brown, or we went to the restaurant and the food was a little bit too brown, she wouldn't eat it. Hmm. Um, And when I asked her, why why are you not eating that? And she said, well, I don't want it to make me darker. 
Oh, wow. So, yeah. So we, um, so we had to go through a period um, of time where we had a lot of conversations about who you are and that you are beautiful just the way that you are. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now it, it, it has, it's gotten a lot better. Um, I think it has not helped as much that we live in a county where only about 15% of the students in her school are black. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, I, I think that has helped to contribute to our struggle that, you know, we've had to, to work through. Given that, what are some of the current challenges in raising healthy and confident black and brown girls? I know that you spoke to much of that, mm-hmm. but I, I didn't know mm-hmm. if there was anything else that you would kind of like to expand on. Well, I think it's, um, it's having the conversations about um, hair. It's having conversations about uh, and her being okay with having natural hair. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that we've gotten some help from the media um, over the last couple of years with um, the movie, like the Black Panther movie. And we look at a lot of CNN and NBC here. And so having other personalities on TV that are darker-skinned women with, with black hair, with, with natural hair, has helped us to valid, help us to help Amaris be validated. Mm-hmm. That you are beautiful in, um, just the way that you are. Because look, you have other people around you who are su- successful and who are concerned about being good citizens who look just like you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that um, just having the conversations, having the opportunity to have the conversation, and I think when you look at different things that's happening in in the world, it has given us more opportunities to have the conversations about who we are, what we look like, um, what what other folks expect and what we expect from you. As, as a person. So, I hope I'm okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so, you know, kind of going off of that, in fact, you know, how mm-hmm. have you as a mother empowered and instilled body confidence in your daughter? Well, I think, and just again, um, letting her choose, which one, telling her that your hair choices are beautiful. It doesn't have to look like anyone else, it doesn't mm-hmm. have to look like your friends. Um, we have, um, this book that we used to read to our kids when they were smaller. Um, and it said, I think it was, I don't remember the title exactly, but it was, it would say you are, you are unique. You are black and you are unique. And so we, we read that book to her and, and to my son, uh, earlier on, just to try to instill in them that yes, you're different, but you're still beautiful. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're still valuable. You're still worthy of respect. We still expect you to do well. Okay? Um, and even in um, when we go to buy clothes sometimes, um, it, um, because we're curvier, mm-hmm. the clothes don't, you know, the, the, some clothes that may fit a certain way on her friends do not fit that way on her. Um, 
And so what we say, what what I say to her, what my husband says is, you know, we're going to pick something that fits your body style. And so we are intentional each day just saying to her, oh, you look beautiful today. Mm-hmm. Or today's going to be, you know, a good day. Um, or just try making sure that we are intentional about complimenting her on how she looks. So, or how hard she okay. No, you go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> no, I mean, we're just intentional about um, complimenting her um, and encouraging her because we know when she walks out that door, she may not get it. Mm-hmm. She may not. Even if she hasn't explicitly stated it, she is holding up standards for self based on the white friends that she has at school. Like, Mm -hmm. I guess, you know, what I'm wondering is in, in what ways, you know, like you mentioned the dolls and not wanting to Mm -hmm. eat the darker foods. Um, Mm -hmm. but are there other ways that you've seen that kind of manifest where she's tried to gravitate towards whiteness? Yes. Because I think that, um, I mean, that's when you're in a class and you're the only black girl, who else do you talk to? I mean, you have mm-hmm. to talk to other people there, right? Uh, when she's not, she's wanting to identify with other girls. So she's not going to just gravitate to maybe the, the one other black girl that's in her class. I think that she, um, I mean, the, the, their educational standards are high, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I noticed is, what I noticed the other day, she came home. They're perplexed as to why, how well she's doing. She said that um, she we, we received a letter from the school recommending that she participate in the Duke Talent Identification Program for seventh graders based on her score. Mm-hmm. And as she talked with her friends about it, one of the, you know, um, little girls said, and, it, and the words are not as bad, but it was the tone. Mm-hmm. She said, the little girl said, well, why did they pick you? Hmm. And then another little girl said to her, well, I already got that. I got that a long time ago. And, um, and so um, she said, her response was, well, how could you have gotten it a long time ago? if they just gave the letters out now. Right. And she said, then the uh, other little girl said, well, you talk about the strangest things and walked away. So she, um, so what she, so she came home also another day, a couple days after that, to say, mama, I think I'm not really understanding who my friends really are. Mm-hmm. There was a dance coming up. I think it was a Halloween dance that was coming up. And, um, I asked the team, you know, are you going to go to that? Well, no, I don't want to go because my friends are not going. I said, let's go. Why don't you go and try to get new friends? So she, you know, she was excited. She got a costume. She went. We drove. As soon as we drove up, the same friends that told her they were not going, all of them were there. And so, um, so it's, it's been a struggle just trying to find friends, genuine friends, mm-hmm. genuine friends, friendships. So, so while she, while we live in the neighborhoods with them, 
while we her her academic standards or uh, performance is is sometimes many times above theirs. She can't seem to fit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, conversely, what are some of the current successes in raising healthy and confident black and brown girls? I think that when we um, are able to go to dentists, orthodontists, dermatologists, you know, other businesses that we frequent and, mm-hmm. and see those um, leaders as being black, black people, black mm-hmm. men, black women, I think that that has helped to... Um, validate her as as a black person that I, you know, I am, these folks are different than the folks that I hang out with every day, mm-hmm. but they're still, I can still be successful too. I am still valuable too. I can still be respected in the, com- the community as well. Um, and I think too, she has... The fortunate thing for her is that while she hasn't had a lot of black teachers, she has had some. Mm-hmm. And she's seen, she's had black principals or assistant principals, and that has been really, really helpful um, for her to have someone else that she can identify with this in leadership um, position. So... I think just trying to be intentional and in seeking out um, ser- services that we have to that we need to utilize um, in our life to seek out folks who um, look like us mm-hmm. has been helpful in just validating her as a person. Well, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, shifting gears a little bit. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to know. How have you approached conversations about prejudice and racism with your daughter? And, you know, have any of those conversations mm-hmm. stemmed out of experiences that she's had at school? Yes. Well, I approach the conversation very frankly, mm-hmm. very directly. Um, it hasn't been hard to have um, to have opportunities to discuss that. You know, when you look at the news and when you listen to things that different political folks um, have said. Um, she has had conversation, wanted to understand, well, why would that person say that about us? Um, when I think about, um, when I think about the school situation, my daughter um, generally does well in school. She's always made AB on a roll in um middle school when they start to give you grades like that. Mm-hmm. In elementary, they didn't give us grades like that. Um, so she's always made A-B honor roll. On her um, end of grade test for reading, the last two years she scored in the 95th and the 96th percentile. What I found out is that um, because she scored so high, that qualified her to be a part of the, um, they call it AIG, or Gifted Reading Program. Mm-hmm. So they, they sent us a letter the last two years. The school sent us a letter and, and, and invited her to be a part of the program. But then they have all these other layers in order for you to really get into the program. Um, you have to have teacher recommendations, um, like this parent recommendation, teacher recommendations, and then 
um, this other standardized test to be a part of the program. Mm-hmm. And so, um, what I when I talk with other parents and other folks at the schools, they say, "Well, I don't know why they make you jump through all the other hoops because we know white parents whose kids have scored less and they've gotten in." Hmm. But my daughter last year did not get in. She we went through the process of uh, first um, they would interview different teachers to see what their recommendations were. Apparently the teacher said no. So they wanted to go to the next step and um, have her to take this other standardized test. When she qualified only based on another standardized test. And so we, you know, we, we, we met and talked about it as a family. My daughter was saying, Mama, if they don't want me to be in, why do we fight it now? Mm. What difference really make, will it really make for me now? And um, and so this year, we're going through the exact same process. So so we didn't we ended the process last year. This year, um, same thing. We got the letter, and I you know I wrote back to them to say, if she, I don't mind her going through the process, but we're not going to take another standardized test because the only reason you're saying she qualifies now is because the standardized test. We're not going to do that. I don't think I think they have enough testing that I don't want to give for an additional standardized test. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. Um, I mean, they, they responded back, you know, with, with just this is their process, but I know mm-hmm. from other families and from other folks in the schools that there have been a number of white families that have not had to go through the process, but we do. It sounds like that just organic ways uh-huh. your daughter is encountering uh-huh. the systemic racism and systemic bias um, and it sounds like that she's been able with the support of her family to you know just kind of think through it and talk through it um, uh-huh. Uh-huh. what like what other you know, what other types of questions have come up when she is asking that, you know, initial question, like, wh- why why should we worry about it? Like, what's the point? Mm-hmm. The other questions are the why. Um, you know, why would they, why would they treat me differently just because I'm black? Um... Why are my just my scores not good enough? Why am not Why am I not good enough? Why do they always think that black people are going to do what's wrong? Um, why do they always skip over us? Why is it that I can give an answer and the teacher doesn't acknowledge it, but then someone else gives the same answer? And they're praised for their answer. You know, it's, I think it's just it's just a number of different why. Mm-hmm. Why, well, why? Why are we going through this now? Because she doesn't. Um, I, I think that before the presidential election in 2016, mm-hmm. it didn't dawn on her, and she was younger too. You know, she's in seventh grade now, and so she was younger, and I think some stuff she just didn't pick up. But now she's starting to see that. Um, 
some little girls that were her friends before. And I, I know that friendships change, but um, they just start to not talk to her as much anymore. And, and she's just not understanding why that is, you know? And so it's, it's, it's kind of coming back to her wondering what is it because of who I am? Is it because of my skin color? Or have our interests really changed? Right. Well, and I can uh, imagine, I mean, as someone who had a pretty ridiculous middle school experience, I don't think middle school is like the stellar point of many people's um, lived experience. Um, But, and, and so, you know, those natural progression, relationship, relational experiences and, and, you know, where their interests do start to diverge and you start, Uh you know, clustering together in different ways with other peers. Uh Um, Uh But then, you know, it, it also sounds like, you know, just taking in the messaging from Uh um, her environment and from the media is adding another Mm -hmm. layer of questioning to that. It does. And and how do you as a mother, you know, address that and support her through that processing? Well, I, I, um, just kind of reinforce or just, you know, compliment her on noticing, you know, noticing, um, the differences, um, but also not, not, not trying to, um, have that as the only thing we talk about all the time. Right. You know, um, I, I don't want her to be so consumed by it, but I want her to know that there, you know, that racism is a real element in our community. So, um, so I tried to help her to look at what other what other things could be going on that's beyond the um, race that's in addition to the racial piece that could be beyond beyond that as well. So it's just you know just trying just just trying to um, encourage her to always look at all parts of what's going on, you know, to to stay aware of what's going on around her um, and, and to actually and to notice differences in, in, in treatment. And when there are um, differences to ask questions, not just come home. I mean, she can come home and ask us always, but ask questions of that teacher mm-hmm. uh, so that you can you advocate for yourself. As I told her, we won't always be with you, but mm-hmm. you have to be, um, strong enough and confident enough within yourself to ask the questions in such a, in a respectful way that it won't, um, you know, really back a teacher or someone in the corner. Right. So that you can still, um, get what it is that you're looking to get. And so you can really get an understanding because sometimes we can be wrong, you know, sometimes <laughs> we can be thinking that something is a certain way. And once you bring it up, it, it could really be something different. Right. So I said, don't don't hang on to it. Just, I mean, ask the question. Ask them to clarify. So, 
Well, that sounds like very good uh -huh. advice. I have two more, um, two more points that I'd mm -hmm. love to engage with you on um, mm -hmm. as we wrap up. Um, the first mm -hmm. one is, and you've mentioned this a couple of times, is you know the impact that media coverage has, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. you know how it significantly informs the methods of supporting young girls of color. Mm -hmm. So. Your experience as a, as a mom, you know, how how have the amplifications and access to media platforms, you know, whether it be through TV, popular, you know, entertainment, social media, all of those things, affected mm -hmm. the ways in which you're able to parent? Wow. Um, I think that... It has, when she looks at, she does a lot of, um, I think they're YouTube videos, but she looks at a lot of different um, <laughs> social experiments, you know, that folks do. Mm -hmm. And um, so, um, so actually, so she's initiated a lot of the um, conversations that we've had about race. You know, she you know she would describe the social experiment and say, "Mama, you know when this um, little black kid was, you know, um, homeless on the street, people walked by him, didn't offer him anything, and then when this little white kid was there, then um, you know everybody was attentive and trying to help them, and um, so I think that, and then too that she's looked at some other videos that has." still giving her a different perspective than what we've said, you know, like we may be saying, well, you know, it's really because of race. And then she will also name some other things that it really could have been other than, than simply race. So I think that, um, when you look at media, the different media outlets, it has caused her to think a little bit broad, broader maybe than some things that we would discuss just, you know, sitting around a kitchen table mm -hmm. um, and cause her to think a little deeper uh, about um, of different things. And I actually think that it has caused her to be a bit more articulate about uh, in the conversations that, that we have mm -hmm. um, around our table with other of the family members, and actually, when I listen to some of the things that she says, questions that she has, uh, you know, for for her friends too. Um, so, have have there been have you noticed any positive impacts that media has had on your interactions with your daughter as a parent? Like you mentioned a little bit about you know, her awareness of certain things mm -hmm. and, you know, pieces like that, which I think are super important. Um, mm -hmm. You know, there there seems to be a bit of, you know, a better push in some ways with media offering space for broader identities you know, mm -hmm. in commercials and movies, mm -hmm. it's it's still highly overpopulated by a lot of white folks. Mm -hmm. um, right. Yeah. But yeah, I know that. Are, I, mm -hmm. I, I'm mm -hmm. sorry. Go ahead. 
<laughs> no. no, I was gonna. Just, I was just thinking about uh, actually, you know, Stacey Abrams and a lot of the um, black women that that were running for office and and won. And so I think that it has broadened um, our conversations with her about career choices. Um, she really um, loves animals and thinks that she wants to be a vet. <laughs> um, but you know, so you know what we say to her is, I mean, you can be anything. You know, you can be, um, you can be president. When she's not want to be president, you know. Or say, look <laughs> at um, Stacey Abrams, who's running for governor. I mean, so I, I think that in a positive way, it has helped her, helped us also just to be conscious about thinking and thinking about other career opportunities for her. Um, that we can just offer, offer to her. I mean, because I know that, you know, in the seventh grade, you, you know, she may end up being a vet, but it could change a hundred times. And so just to, <laughs> to see other, um, people living out those other opportunities, I think has helped us to, excuse me, have other conversations with her about, um, different career choices and, um, and also about, it's helped us to have conversations with her about how to, that when you're, when you're out there in school or wherever you are, you're not going to just advocate for yourself. You're going to advocate for other folks who are, where you see that, that, that there's some injustices happening with them too. So even if that teacher's not you know, talking specifically to you <laughs> mm-hmm. about something. If you you feel that hurt that that person is feeling, you can ask a question about it in a nice way, mm-hmm. right? You don't have to just go along and be quiet because they don't happen to be talking to you. So I think just seeing that, you know, seeing the different movements that are occurring um, or different groups just coming to together to to support each other has helped me to have conversations with her to say, no, speak up for other people too. Mm-hmm. Speak up for yourself, but speak up for other people too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. You know, as I mentioned, the theme of this podcast is learning, lifting, leading social equity for and by black and brown girls and women. Um, and this po- it's aligned with the 33rd Women's Conference that took place at Shaw mm-hmm. University in Raleigh on mm-hmm. October 20th. Yeah. So, you know, kind of going off of that, could you make a few suggestions about how black and brown girls and women can be learning, lifting, and leading to bring about social equity? I think that it would be wonderful if we had other opportunities to have conferences or conversations like we had at the um, women's conferences. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's wonderful that we have them um, in, in um, at Shaw, but it, w- it would also be good if um, we could have those conversations in, um, in our different uh, social groups or in our different churches to um, so that we can really, and, and, and women can encourage other women to share their experiences, uh, like we did at the conferences. I think that, you know, what's going on in your family, but a lot of times, you know, we're not encouraged to go out and share what's going on in our families, but 
it would be good if we could have have other conversations in different settings where we did share what's happening um, with each other, and then have you know so that we can support each other and, and, and give other others advice on how to work through what what they're working through, what they're going through. Well, so. I, I certainly thank you for offering your insight into this important topic. Um, okay. You know, thank you for joining us today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me. I appreciate it so much. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Learning, Lifting, Leading, Social Equity for and by Black and Brown Girls and Women. With our guest, Phyllis Porte Ascot mother and student at Shaw University Divinity School. Special thanks for this podcast go to Shaw University, Elon University, and the Raleigh Apex branch of the NAACP for supporting this important work.